Our blessed Heavenly Father, we love you so very much and we thank you. We thank you, Father, that in our most difficult times, we can depend on you as much as we can in our most best of times. And Father, we know that even those, during those times when we don't feel that you will hear us, when we don't feel you will forgive us, Father, you simply ask that we believe that you will and we trust that you will and we repent. And Father, we're so very thankful for that avenue. Father, as we venture into the last installment of this lesson, Father, the prayer is that we've all learned something, we've all gained something regarding elders, regarding deacons, regarding preachers, regarding ladies and their ministry within the church, and we who are all saints. Father, we ask that you continue to bless us and keep us safe in our walk of faith, and that we grow each day. Father, these things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So, in our final lesson in this series, um, what we're going to do is compare the description of a, of a saint against the popular misconceptions, if you will, of who and what this person should be. Now, so far in these 12 weeks, we have reviewed the role and qualifications of each appointed position in the church, the position of deacon, the position of elder, the position of preacher, as well as the special role of women, not in the church, but in the ministry, within ministry, rather, within the church. And what we have done is left the role of saints for this last lesson because the word saint is a generic term that refers to all Christians. Like the other roles we have been talking about, the word saint helps define what a saint is. Now, I have to think back to when I was a Catholic so many years ago. Back then, I thought a saint was an extremely religious clergyman. I thought a, a saint was a person who could do miracles. I thought a saint was a person through whom miracles came. I thought a saint was that big contributor that the church recognized and they gave a title to. But if we look at the Bible, we see that the word saint is, or rather means something quite different. In the Old Testament, the, the word referred to something that was pronounced clean both ceremonially and morally. In other words, it was the word used to refer to the thing, sacrifice, the place, the sanctuary, or person, saint, as clean or pure. Something was impure, and because of some action or pronouncement by God, it was made pure. When it became pure, the word saint is the word that was used to refer to it. Now, a good example of this can be found in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 10. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 10. There the Bible reads, and so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. 
In the New Testament, the word in the original Greek language meant the same thing as it meant in the Old Testament. Someone holy, pure, someone morally upright. In the New Testament, it was usually used in a plural form. Instead of saint, we had the word saints. And it always referred to believers or those who were members of the church. At Romans chapter 15 and verse 26, Romans 15 and verse 26, the Bible reads, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Now note something here. Note that the only distinction was that those saints were poor, not that they could do miracles. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 at verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 at verse 2, the Bible reads, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And what we find is that in this passage, Paul, Paul says four things here. But he's referring to the same people. Now, let, let, me, let me put it in a, in a worldly illustration here. We have dads, right? So this is like when we say, my dad is my mother's husband. And my dad is the father of my brother. And my dad is the brother of my uncle. And if your dad happens to coach a soccer team, you would say, and my dad coached a soccer team. So what we have are four different things about the same person. So Paul talks to these men and women in Corinth and, and refers to them in four different ways. And this is what we're going to see in a moment. Ways that help define what and who a saint really is. He says that the saints... They were the church of God at Corinth. The word church means called out. It was a political term at one time referring to those who were called out to be elders of the city or to be leaders of a tribe. And we find that Jesus used this term to refer to his followers as a group. They were called out by God. They were called out from the world, and they were called out from the world by the gospel. And the saints were sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, the word sanctified means to make holy or to purify. It is the action of taking something and purifying it in some manner. Jesus is the one who sanctifies us. Jesus is the one who purifies us. He purifies his disciples and sanctifies us. It is through him that we go from being impure and unacceptable to being pure, to being holy, to being clean. And we can see, we can refer to 2 Corinthians 6 verses 9 through 11 if we want to read more about that. So the saints are the church, the sanctified, the saints were Saints by calling. The term saints refers to their contribution now that they have been washed, now that they have been cleansed, now that they have been purified. Now we think about this. They did not do this on their own. 
They did not do this by their own strength. They did not become saints because of their goodness. They were called to become this way when they obeyed the gospel. That is, they repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. If we see and read in Acts uh, 2, verse 37 and 38. The day that Jesus washed away their sins and baptism then, they became saints and that they became purified. They became clean. They became sanctified. The saints were united by faith in Christ. So just think about this. Everybody called out by the gospel and washed clean by baptism is a saint. They are a member of the church. They are part of the the worldwide body of believers who call upon Christ Jesus for salvation. Saints are not holy hermits who, who can do miracles by no means because we are saints, but none of us can pull that off. The term refers to any person who has been washed clean of their sins in baptism and consequently belongs to Christ's church. So then, we see how the four different uh, ways we can look at saints and four different ways how saints can be uh, defined. So let's go now to responsibilities of saints. Elders, deacons, preachers have certain roles within the church and the Bible makes special provisions for women and their role, again, in ministry within the church. However, every saint has a particular role to play in the church regardless of age, regardless of education, regardless of talent, regardless of level of maturity. Each saint has two main responsibilities. Again, they have these same responsibilities regardless of age, education, talent. Or level of maturity. So when someone say, I can't do this because I'm too young. I can't do this because I'm too old. I can't do this because I'm not educated enough. I can't do this because I don't have enough talent. Or I can't do this because I'm not mature enough. We have to help them understand that that is not how God looks at it. There is something we all can do. So then when we look at the two main responsibilities of saints, regardless of age, education, talent, or level of maturity, what we find is that all saints are to be faithful. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. The Bible says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus tells the saints in Smyrna that if they are faithful unto death, they will receive the crown of life. Now, someone says, what are my responsibilities? What are my responsibilities? Well, I say, you have to make an effort to be faithful. Being faithful for a lifetime requires effort. Just think about it for a moment. Hearing and obeying the word of God requires effort. Resisting temptation over and over again and even trying after we fail requires effort. Faithful to the church in worship and in service 
requires effort. Faithful in our complete trust that God can and God will save us even when we are completely discouraged requires effort. We may not be elders, we may not be deacons, we may not be preachers, but as saints, we are responsible. We are responsible, according to Philippians 2 at verse 12, to do the following. The Bible says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Regardless of age, education, talent, level of maturity, we have to put forth the effort to, effort to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Also, the second responsibility, saints are to be holy. At First Peter 1, at verse 15, the Bible reads, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Holy means separate. Holy means different. Holy means dedicated. This is something here that ladies can definitely appreciate more so than guys. We just go to the store and we get a tux and we happy. But ladies do things a little bit different when it comes to this. A lady buys a wedding dress and it is a holy thing. Why? Because this particular dress has been set aside for a particular day and a particular purpose. Saints are holy. Saints are set aside by God for a particular day. They are set aside by God for a particular purpose. And the purpose is this, to glorify God. It is to honor God. The purpose of a Christian's life then is to live in such a way that his or her life brings honor to God. That means what is done, what is said, what is thought, what is accomplished, what is even tried, brings honor to God in some way. The day that saints have been set aside for is the day when Christ Jesus returns. Because you see, on that day, on that day, the great wedding between Christ Jesus and his church will take place. So then the greatest honor, the greatest honor saints bring to God is that we will honor and receive Christ on the day that he returns. Now think back when the first time he came. When he came the first time, what happened? He was rejected. He was crucified. By whom? His own people. When he comes the second time, his own people, the saints, will be ready and we will be joyfully waiting at his coming. Now in a practical sense, holiness often requires us to go against the grain of our life, if you will. And that becomes hard work. Now, let me give you some examples about that. Honoring God through regular worship. I'm talking about Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday. Honoring God through regular worship each week goes against the grain of leisure activities. Overtime at work, inconvenience. 
Honoring God through purity goes against the grain of bad language, sexually explicit movies and books, and temptation to being involved in, in, in sexual activity outside of marriage. Honoring God through uh, giving goes against the grain of materialism, of selfishness and worldliness and, and longing for the goods of the world. In the sense that we want to keep our money for ourselves and we see it as giving it to God to use for the poor or to preach to in, in third world countries to people we don't even know. That goes against the grain. We say that's a foolish thing to do. But going back to my example of the wedding dress, the value of the bride's dress is not only the design of it and the cloth or material that was used to make it, but the fact that all of this effort, all of this expense has been exclusively devoted to one single wearing of this dress on one single day. I can speak for this for sure. I don't know, remember how long this thing hung, this wedding dress hung in our closet for nobody to wear. <laughs> Again. Now, what makes life, rather, what makes the life of the saint holy is that he, he or she only has one life. That's all we get. And it is exclusively devoted to God in preparation for that day when he returns, when Christ Jesus comes. Most people in our society define themselves by what they do. I am an accountant. I am an engineer. I am a senior NCO in the military. I'm a senior officer in the military. I'm a homemaker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who they are is defined by what they do. But you see, as Christians, we approach this issue from the opposite way. It's kind of like when we read uh, 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. It seems like you, what he's saying, okay, do this, do this, and then get over here and get, get spiritual on me. But no, he actually wants, God actually wants to start over here. <laughs> start working on the soul and let this other stuff happen if that's the way it's going to be. So you're starting from the opposite end. What we do then is defined by who we are. It's defined by who we are. We are saints. We are saints. And that status influences everything that we do. Now, this is a short lesson tonight. As we wrap up this series, two questions need to be answered by everyone. First question. Are we saints? You cannot become a saint by performing miracles or doing good. We already covered that. You can only become a saint by being washed clean in the waters of baptism, washed clean of our sins in the waters of baptism with Christ Jesus, as we see in uh, Acts 22 at verse 16. Question number two. And again, these are important questions. Are we acting like or are we living like saints? If someone were examining your life, would they say that faithfulness and holiness were the main qualities of it? 
or not. When Jesus comes for his saints, this is what he will be looking for in order to identify them. Uh, would you go over with me to Second Peter? Second Peter three, uh, verses ten through fourteen. Second Peter three, verses ten through fourteen. Second Peter three, ten to fourteen. The Bible reads, "But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it." will be exposed since all these things are thus to be dissolved what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And be at peace. And be at peace. So my hope. As I close this lesson tonight and this series, my hope, my prayer, is that every participant of this series during the last 13 weeks will honestly answer these two questions. Now check this out. If you answer no to both questions, James, say amen. Because that means you know what you need to do. So I will say to you from that then, amen, and please do what is necessary to become a saint of God or be renewed in holy and faithful living. If you say yes to one and no to the other, but it doesn't matter which one, yes to one and no to the other, one, basically it's the same thing as saying no. This is one of those things where a, a negative plus a positive equal a negative. So it's saying the same thing. But again, amen. You know what you need to do. Now, here come the kicker. If you can say yes to both of them, I say amen too. And you know what you need to do? Keep on keeping on. (laughs) That's what we need to do. Keep on keeping on. So then, I want to thank everyone again for joining us tonight and the last 13 weeks as we have tackled the series Elders, Deacons, Preachers, and Saints. And we've also tackled the issue of a woman's role in ministry versus in the church because we're talking about ministry within the church. We all have an, a, a, an obligation and responsibility at the congregation, at this congregation we identify with. And that is to work together as a spiritual family under the oversight of the elders. There is no, I'm here, but I'm going to do it my way. We ask everyone who identify with the congregation, are you willing to work under the oversight of the elders? If the answer is no, and we've had people tell us that, no, no, I'm not, and they have not been worshiping here either because we made it quite clear. You can come visit anytime you want to, but if you're saying you're going to do your own thing and expect to be teaching classes, leading in prayer and stuff like that, it's not going to happen.
and rightly so. So, for those who are online and haven't visited with us before, we have our contact information on the slide. Give us a call, send us an email, ask your questions. Better still, come visit with us. There's nothing like meeting human beings in person versus seeing faces at a distance like this on Zoom. So I want to thank you all for uh, joining me over the last 13 weeks. Um, we got some good news for you. We have a new series starting next week. Uh, Brother Danny Elmore and I are going to tag team on a series entitled 10 Steps of a New Spiritual You. Uh, it's, a, it's, a neat, it's a neat series of lessons. There are only 10 of them. But the idea is just that us work on being a new spiritual me. So thank you all again for joining me tonight and stay for the devotional.